0: Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 522. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I am so happy to have you here today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Marianne Miller. Marianne is the founder and president of Institute for Global Transformation. And Marianne, I'm so happy to have you here with us. Thank you so much, Kim. It's really my honor to be here with you. Oh, you are so welcome. Listeners, I just have to share that was take three. I haven't had to do that in some time and watch for a new blooper episode, hopefully in the near future, because oh my gosh. <laughs> It's all there today. So I know this is not what your global transformation is about, but let us I'm just hoping, I guess it's not out of my system yet, but transform my mouth and just start functioning with my head this morning. (laughs) Marianne, I would love if you would share a bit of your journey with the listeners, because you know your story better than anybody else.
1: Well, oh goodness, it started back in, um, for the Institute, rather, it started back in 2002, I kept finding my friends asking me to uh, start an organization of like-minded individuals who wanted to sort of give back to the world and help in some way to make it better. So after the fourth one uh, called me and said, let's have lunch, I decided to do that. And after our talk, the Institute for Global Transformation was founded and then in 2005, it became a 501c3 not-for-profit. What were you and, doing before then, Marianne? Well, I have actually volunteered my entire adult life uh, for one organization or another, but they all had to do with helping to make the world a better place, raising your consciousness so that together we can do some positive things to help make the world better and in whatever way is your particular passion. So I've always been fortunate enough for my husband, Matthew, to support me in this passion that I have. So it's left me free to just to volunteer and get into many different types of organizations. And then I studied metaphysics and spirituality for probably over 30 years. And it just became a passion of mine. So consciousness, raising consciousness, is what we're all about. And each of us goes about that very differently. So together we make a really good team because that way we can get involved with the environment, with making relationships better, and just all different types of, of ways that we work to make the world better.
0: Marianne, I was born and raised Catholic. And after leaving to go to college, I... Stepped away from faith and spirituality. I would not say that I was atheist by any means, and I'm not trying to get controversial, listeners. But just to take you on a little bit of my journey, I was introduced to the law of attraction in 2009, and that reawakened my spirituality. And I know some people might be like, "What?" But it really is because I I got more in touch with myself, and I think that's a very spiritual experience, and also with higher powers. And then in 2010, I found my way back to the Christian faith. But I don't know if where I was raised was just not aware of a whole nother world of spiritual practices outside of our small town. But there was never, I was never even aware that there was anything more than Catholic or the churches in my town, whatever denomination they were, when I was growing up. And you've been studying this for over 30 years. And I, I know you were, from your bio, you started working on this even back in your 20s, yeah?
1: Yes, that's actually when I started. I was 28.
0: So your best friend introduced you to it. But, I mean, even just, let's just use the 80s, for example. I can't, the 80s from, I was a young child then. I was surrounded by MTV and punk rock and you know, whatever was going on, typical 80s, where were you living at the time? And how did this fit into the environment around you? I'm just so curious.
1: Well, interestingly enough, I was brought up in the Church of Christ. And I didn't even hear of the word spiritual or metaphysics or esoteric until I was 28 when we moved to California. And uh, actually, the first class I ever took was taught by a religious science minister. And he is actually the one that introduced me to this entire world of knowledge that before then I was unaware of. But it really piqued my interest and it started to answer some questions for me that before then I didn't have answers for. And it was those questions were important for me to find the answers to because before then it things certain things just didn't make sense for me. Can you give me an example, Marianne? Well, for example, what's my purpose in life before then I thought, well, you you're born, you live, you die. Yeah. And you try to be a good person in between. Mm -hmm. But then I found out that there's a lot more to life than just that. And then at some point I think, Even, I think for everyone, regardless of what religion you are, there comes a point in your life that you begin to think, gosh, you know, I would like to help make the world better in some way. I don't know exactly how to go about that, but I know it's something I want to do. And, for example, the Institute, we are not a religion. We have members who are of every religion in the world. So we never go or get into any religious matters. We just want to try together to help make the world better. And we know that by becoming a member of a community of people who are like-minded and want to do that, we have more power to help influence and make the world better. And we do that through lots of different programs so that everyone has a way to give back.
0: Oh, I love that. So I was 29 when I was 29? maybe 30, when I was introduced to the law of attraction. And up until that point, I was in the same mindset as you. I mean, I'm born, I go to school, I graduate college, I work, I become, you know, I get married, I have kids, I die. And that's what I thought life was. But to me, that's not really living. I mean, it is, but it's definitely not the whole, full Enriching living experience. There's so much more.
1: You know, you said it perfectly. It's more enriching when you know there's more. Absolutely. So,
0: what did more look like to you? I mean, I know you have the Institute, but even before the Institute, you were volunteering, but how did it reflect into your personal life when you started realizing there was more?
1: Well, it sort of opened up a whole new world to me that. I was totally unfamiliar with. And I learned to be more introspective. I learned to be more mindful of myself and others and to begin to really pay attention to what other people were saying and how they felt and what was important to them. And through all of that, I began to realize that There's a whole world going on around me that before then I was totally unaware of. And the more I got into it, the more I wanted to. Well, let me give you just a real short story that it really sort of epitomizes this. We call people like yourself and like me and like many others change makers. And I was uh, at a motel and we were having trouble with the plumbing. And so I called the front desk and told them we were having difficulty. And they said no one was there to fix it because it was the weekend and after hours. Then all of a sudden I got a knock on the door and this lady said, I'm not really a plumber, but they sent me up to see if I could help because I told them that we shouldn't wait till Monday to take care of this. And she came in and she started talking. And as we talked, she started telling me her entire life story. And it was so, oh my goodness, she had such a difficult life. It was unbelievable. But through all of that, she said, she decided that she was going to be strong and she was going to help others as much as she could. And she said, that's why I came up here. I wanted to help if I could. I call her a change maker. In her life, whatever she's doing, she's concerned with others, how they're getting along, how she can make their life better in some way. And that, to me, is a change maker.
0: Yeah, to me as well. It never ceases to amaze me how people, you can have two people who were born in the same environment, raised in the same environment, and how one can stay in that environment and maybe even get worse that's not being very eloquent, but can stay on that same devastating path, making poor decisions. And another one can somehow, and I'd love to know how it actually, how the brain works that allows one person to make the decision to get off that path and keeps another one on it. Like when I die, that's the answer that I would like to know.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, one of the, maybe the most important thing for me To answer that question is setting your intent. Your intent is what creates your life as far as I'm concerned. I grew up very, very poor, didn't know I was poor until I grew up and found out that there was a lot more in life than what I had uh, physically, although I had a very happy life. So I found out that in order to get the job I wanted to get, to have some of the things I wanted to have. I had to set my intent and then be receptive to that inner voice within me when it was giving me guidance to do certain things, to follow my intent. It's sort of like that old joke, a man sitting on the roof of his house, and it's flooded and he keeps asking God for help. And... Finally, he says, God, you know, I asked you for help, but it didn't come. And God answers, well, you know, those three boats that went by and asked how Mm -hmm. you were doing. (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) You know, so, you know, you set your intent, but you also have to be open and ready to act on the message you get from your intuition or that gut feeling, whatever you want to call it. And so that to me is what's important in Setting your intent, taking action, and then you receive the gift of what you were searching for.
0: Mm, I love that, Marianne, and I'm going to tell you why I especially love it right now. I just got back from a two-day coaching intensive, and listeners, my apologies, because if you listen to the previous episode, you're going to hear about it there too, but I realized I've been exceptionally good at setting the intent, and I've been exceptionally good at taking action, but then I stop at 95%. It's like I have one toe in the boat, but I never fully get on. Have you examined that? Oh, yeah. Actually, I've been going through that. That's been a huge... Let me pause that. It's amazing how with each day that goes by, if we're open to it, how much more we can learn. Like I never expected after I graduated college that I would continue to learn more and and not just more than i had already learned in college but that i would learn every single day of my life something new and i realized that i've been afraid of taking the of going to 100% you know will people like it will people appreciate it and episode i think it's 511 i've just recorded it listeners i record guest episodes about a month out but Episode 511, I talk about playing the game of 95%, because if it's anything in our life. We can commit to something, but unless we take the full action, it's like getting to the edge of the diving board and then not jumping off. And there's amazing that happens when we just jump in completely. I mean, how do we learn how to swim if we don't jump into the pool? We can stand there at the edge of the diving board forever, but unless we're ready to truly get immersed, and this is like... I don't mean just in water, but then we have to take the whole, the whole plunge. I didn't mean for it to be so, so pool oriented. <laughs> I, I, I'm not being very eloquent this morning. I want to jump back for a second and then we'll, we'll jump back here. But you said that you became more introspective, which I found very fascinating because I knew that you were an introvert as a girl. Do you still in, consider yourself an introvert today? Definitely. I'm very much an introvert, which I think would surprise a lot of people if they only listen or if they meet me. Like, I'm very introverted. Being in big groups exhausts me. Like the one that you and I met at. I had to go and, like, veg out at the end of every day. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. No, I, I would go up to my room in the hotel planning on getting a whole lot done. And I was just so exhausted from all the energy and from all the talking Every single night I fell asleep within five minutes.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. And I would wake up frustrated because I hadn't gotten stuff done because that's just how I am. And I knew that I needed that sleep or else I wasn't going to be able to be at my top non-extroverted self the next day. But I never really thought until you said that about becoming more introspective. That just because you're an introvert does not mean you are introspective. Because you're not necessarily. Does that make any sense? That's, that's true. I mean, you can just be quiet and like to be by yourself. But I mean, let's just pick on video gamers for a second. They they might just be an introvert and want to stay home and play video games. But that doesn't mean that they're introspectively thinking. I think I'm using the word wrong. But does that make... Am I saying this in any competent way?
1: Oh, yes, you definitely are. I mean, and, and that's really... Uh, and you pointed out a really great difference. First of all, my my, interpret, my husband is an extrovert, and, and they always say that you never have two extroverts in a partnership, be it business or uh, marriage. So one will always come to be the extrovert and the other the introvert. But my definition of an introvert is a person who thinks to themselves before they speak. An extrovert thinks out loud, now, that's not, not anything scientific, but that, that's my own interpretation of an introvert and an extrovert. And uh, I've been in meetings where it was brought up that uh, maybe we could help you introverts uh, learn to be extroverted. <laughs> I was in a meeting like that, and all the introverts in the meeting took exception to that. And we said, well, perhaps maybe we could have a class to teach extroverts to be a little more introverted so that we would be able to bring out more of discussion from the introverts. Mm. That's amazing. I love that.
0: My husband's an introvert, but he still talks sometimes a lot more before thinking than I would <laughs> like him to. But sometimes I wish that I would stop thinking before I talk as much as I do. Because I tend to keep it all inside until I blow up sometimes. Sometimes. Oh yeah. I mean, that's using one example. Like when I'm frustrated, I tend to I tend to think a lot more. And then the moments passed and it's still inside and it might be a month or two before it all just bottles up like a bottle of champagne has been shaken for 3 months and then poof. So there's got to be a healthy mix though. And maybe introverts don't want to be extroverted but they would just like the ability to speak up a little bit more. And yeah, and say, even just the ability to shush extroverts once in a while, that would be incredible.
1: Well, you know, you brought up a really interesting point about letting it build up and, until it explodes. And my husband has often uh, told me that, in his opinion, it, sometimes it's the straw that breaks the crammels back, but it's not really the issue. And so that there's an underlying issue that's going on that is really creating the buildup. And if you can get at that underlying issue for all of us, this is all of us, because we all do it, that that helps the situation not build to that point.
0: I can absolutely see that. Right now I'm thinking (coughs) often the underlying issue, and I don't mean to be taking it so negative, but often the underlying issue for me is I'm just exhausted. Maybe if I were tired and listeners, I tell you all to sleep all the time. Sleep has to be the priority, but when I get really into something like I will keep on working, working, working as long as I'm inspired and then I will forget to sleep until it's like three or four in the morning,
1: which goes against everything i talk about in the sleep episodes. But well, you know what they also say, we always teach what we're trying to learn. Mm -hmm. And that's true for me too.
0: Yeah. So I would love to know how that's true for you right now. Like, what are you trying to learn right now? And what are you teaching?
1: Well, I am. There's so many things I'm still trying to learn. But one of the things that's important for me to learn is how to really put into practice some of the what we might call natural laws of the universe that helps life work easier. there are certain principles that are like the law of, of attraction, the law of cause and effect and how that real, how they can really help me be a better person, understand life better and be able to give back and help in the best way I possibly can. And you know, that, that's a tall order. But I, I work on it all the time. And I, like yourself, being an introvert, I much rather write than speak. And in writing, whatever it is I decide to write about, I learn so much from it because I do a lot of research. So I'm trying to learn all different types of things. It's it's one of those things where I'll never be a master at anything because I like to, to do too many different things and learn about too many different things. But is there really any such thing as too many when it's about learning? No, you're right. There's, I mean, it's fascinating. And there's, I could spend my lifetime just learning. But then that's not what it's all about either. Giving back with what you have learned. Yeah, for me is where it's at. As a mom
0: of five, it's really saddened me to hear about school districts in the U.S. And I don't know how it is throughout the world. So I'm just going to pick on the U.S. for a second. And this is not picking on my own kids' school district that are cutting the arts out of education like because the budget doesn't allow. It. They don't have money in their budget anymore to pay for paint and musical instruments, et cetera. But If they're going to take away all of that, I would love to see school districts putting in some type of, like, as you were just talking about, the laws of the universe. And I know that would be controversial to a lot of parents, like what type of new age courses are this taking or is is this teaching? But I think it's really important because if, if we're going to create socially responsible children or educate or nurture socially responsible children, I feel like
1: it's our responsibility to teach them these things. I totally agree. And, and actually, I think they could teach it in a way that would not be controversial because you can use everyday language to teach this, everyday principles to teach this. And, for example, just the law of cause and effect, you know, and you're talking about bullies. Well, there there could be an entire class on just how the law of cause and effect affects bullying, and, and it can be very practical. It doesn't have to be too, so esoteric that it would cause an issue with parents.
0: I love that example. I mean, just showing kids what what may be causing bullying and if they go out and bully, the, the chain of events that could happen after that. I mean, how they could have be affecting one of their classmates' lives by what they think is a funny statement, but by having them think about what they're doing. I mean, I would love to see kids, and this is something that really needs to be started at home, but teaching them classes in respect, hold the door open. And I'm not saying hold the door open for ladies, if you're a man, not at all. But we don't need to be rushing through life. You can wait two seconds to hold the door open for the next person. And, right. It's just common sense, isn't it? Yep. Teaching gratitude. I mean, just the spirit of gratitude. And I know People could think that that's getting too religious, but I don't think so at all. Remind kids what they have. I was thinking about it actually last night because, well, in full disclosure, I was laying in bed hungry at like one o'clock in the morning. But I was thinking, I am not going to complain. I'm going to be grateful because I have a refrigerator of food. And there are, on the other side of the world in Africa right now, there's some mother who hasn't eaten in days because she's trying to feed her kids. So... What right do I have to be upset that I'm hungry when I'm blessed a lot more than a lot of people? And I, I've seen that be an issue with a lot of people that I've known in my life. They forget about what they do have and focus more on what they don't. And I was just going to say, and I'll, what am I reading right now? Oh, The Charge by Brendan Bashard He's talking about how wants versus needs we get so wrapped up in our wants now because our needs, for the most part, are usually met. I mean, the needs that people have are you know, being taken care of when we're newborn, having shelter, and having food. And for the most part, I mean, clothing is still somewhat optional depending on where you live. If you have shelter, you could be naked all day. But we get so wrapped up a lot of the time in what our wants are that we're not grateful that our needs are being met.
1: That's very profound, Kim. That's absolutely true. I mean, my family of
0: seven, we could be meeting our needs in a house that's a tenth of the size that we have. I mean, look at Japan. They have much smaller residences. Maybe I'm picking on Japan needlessly, but I've, and I've never been there, to be totally honest, or huts in Africa, they fit, you know, a lot more people in a lot less space than we have and their needs are met. And they're, they're grateful for what they have. And I'm, I'm over here wanting a second bathroom so that I can go pee without my kids knocking on the door and saying that they have to go. Well, we don't have to go outside and go in a hole. Wow. You know, I get something out of every episode and I think you just gave me a, like, it wasn't even where I expected the conversation to go and it's certainly not over yet, but you've totally reinvigorated my day because for the rest of the day, I'm going to be going through it with a whole perspective new
1: perspective. And you know those uh, oftentimes they uh, suggest affirmations and I find a just as you were talking about a great one would be to affirm every morning to be thankful for what we have. It seems so contrite to say that, but you know just as you were saying, we take for granted what we do have. So we concentrate on our desires, but, and I think that's okay, too, because it's always great to grow and, and be better, and there's nothing wrong with having money at all. The stewardship of money, once you have it, is what's important, what you do with the money. So having money is, is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. You can do wonderful things and help a lot with money. But it's also very good to be grateful for the basic necessities that we do have and that we don't have to worry about them.
0: I love that you brought that up because that's completely right. It would be incredible to have you know millions in the bank account, but how is it going to make me feel any better just by having it millions in the bank account? It's not unless I'm doing something good with it. I mean, look at Scrooge, right? You're right. He's got all this money, but he's just a miserable old man until he goes, until he sees the ghosts. And then all of a sudden it changes for him. My kids often see, my kids love to watch YouTube. And I'm not going to say any names here, but they see this entrepreneur who has dozens of cars and all these huge mansions. And he's like, mom, or my boys are like, what, why What do you need to do to be like that? And I'll remind them once in a while that, you know, just because we see it on social media doesn't mean it's true. This person could actually be renting all those cars and be renting the houses for these videos. We don't know the truth. And in the end, is he actually happy? That's
1: the big question. Yeah. You know, they say that you never do any kind deed for anyone other than yourself, which sounds like an oxymoron. But we when we do something kind or generous, it makes us feel so good. So we always are including ourselves in every gift we give.
0: Then is it possible to give selflessly?
1: Oh, and that's the only way that it would count is if it's selflessly. But even, for example, if if you help an elderly lady across the street, you're taking part in that gift for yourself because it makes you feel good to be able to right. help someone. So that's what I mean by we're always doing it for ourselves as well. Not, not. Marianne, free, is it
0: like, possible though? Is it possible to give selflessly if we're still getting even a good feeling back in the process?
1: For me, I don't think so because we always take part in our gift.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my response as well. I don't, even if it, you know, donating money, I still feel good. Yeah. I mean, I for me, that would require a total shutdown of emotions. Right. I, I agree. And I can't I mean, imagine
1: a life like that. It's wonderful to take part in your gift.
0: What one gift would you love to give to the world right now?
1: The ability to achieve higher consciousness, to actively consciously raise your consciousness, because when you raise your consciousness, you become much more aware of everything in life. You become more aware of yourself, how you operate, what your motives are, what you want to do to help. You become aware of everyone else, and there you walk in their shoes. You understand them you begin to understand the interconnectedness of all things and how what we do to one, we do to all. So the gift of higher consciousness would be the absolute perfect gift that I would like to give to the world. For somebody who's listening and wonder, how do I
0: even get started? Could you give a tip or two on how to proceed on the journey of higher consciousness?
1: Well, it... It can happen in many ways. Some people meditate. Some people pray. Some people walk in a forest and they just all of a sudden have a sense of something higher than themselves. They tune into a feeling that perhaps they've never had before and it's so uplifting. And they want to repeat that sense of oneness that they feel with all life. So there's no one particular way that we go about it. There's a way for everyone. And that's why I think it's great that all of the teachers and people who are trying to make the world a better place go about it in different ways. There's no competition. We need everyone to help make the world better because there's a a particular way or a particular path for each of us. So we need to have all these different types of teachings and people who are showing us the way so that we can have examples of a way that works for us.
0: Marianne, I was thinking about fasting last night. And I was thinking about fasting practices, not because I'm fasting myself, but I don't know. It was just one of those thoughts while I was laying in bed. I think it was along with me being hungry and people in Africa. But you have me thinking right now, I'm actually wondering if fasting in some way is sort of selfish. And I'll explain what I mean. When I here have food in my pantry and in my refrigerator, and I could reach a higher level of consciousness in so many ways, but I go about it by fasting, to me it's sort of selfish because there's people who would love to have the food that I've got, and they don't. Do you have any opinions on that?
1: Well, I think it has to do with intent. If your intent is pure, if you're doing it for a reason that's higher than yourself, I don't think there's anything negative that should be attached to it at all. So intent is, intent means everything.
0: I love that. Two years ago, my business shifted. Because up until then, I had been focused on income first, not impact. And it was struggling. And then I went through my own awakening and switched the focus to impact. And it was amazing how the business blew up after that. And then last week or the week before, I had a conversation on the podcast. I believe it was Kim Aids, A-D-E-S, listeners, But I'm not sure actually who it was. She said, well, why do you have to choose impact or income? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I agree that it doesn't have to be an either or. I think, again, you set your intent for what you want to do and how you want it to be of service in some way. And then, again, you listen to what comes to you through your intuition or through advice from others and you follow that. And then if you hold your intent firmly, act upon what comes to you, success is going to follow. And if it has to do with a monetary thing, the money's going to follow also. But I think if it is only... The intent is only money. You're going to miss all the messages in between of what's going to make you successful and bring in the money. So for me, to set the intent to be of service in some way and then follow everything that comes to you to make that successful, the money always will follow. Because money is not the issue. Right. Though it seems like the issue sometimes for us. So that's the way I feel about it.
0: One of our mutual connections, Steve Volcher, has been doing a study on homelessness. And he was amazed to find, and I, forgive me, I, I might have the city wrong. I think it was Portland, Oregon. He was looking at research and he found that actually, I think it was something like 20% of the homeless were voluntarily homeless. So our needs can be met without what we might think is all of our needs and it just blows my mind that well maybe it's just because I'm a mom of five and my current life situation but the focus is not income you know there's other focuses in life and if they are focused on serving the needs of others that's amazing I actually just saw a story about a a homeless man who Gave his last $20 to help a woman whose car had run out of gas. And it wasn't all about, I mean, going back to, can we give selflessly? That would be, to me, giving selflessly. And then it came back, and she actually started a GoFundMe campaign to help him, which made it close to $400,000. But that was not his intention at all. He was just trying to help a woman who ran out of gas in the middle of the night, which is absolutely amazing. As a 501C3, I would have to imagine are all all your, is the Institute for Global Transformation funded by donations then? And what type of operation do you have? Is it all online? Do you have
1: a location? We're all online Mm -hmm. and we only receive funds through donations. Uh, We're a 100% volunteer organization. So all of our administrative team, that's been with us since 2002. None of us have ever taken a penny salary from what we do. So you can see the passion that we have uh, with what we do, or we wouldn't be at this 16 years later. And so all the programs that we offer, some of them are classes. And of course, if a teacher teaches a class, there's a fee associated with that, but the teacher keeps that funds they will make a donation to us in return, but we, we the Institute, do not charge for the class. So, and then a lot of our other programs are totally free. We just operate totally on donations.
0: This is a nosy question, not necessarily nosy, but just curious about how it works. So at the end of a year, like a tax year, does anything that comes in need to go back
1: out again? No, because we're a nonprofit, we don't pay taxes on something. Well, there are certain things. If we buy supplies, we pay taxes on that. Right. But if we receive a donation, we don't pay taxes on the donations.
0: Yeah. I, maybe nosy wasn't the right question there. I'm just curious about how a 501c3 works. And
1: the way you set up your 501c3, you tell the IRS what you're about, what you're going to do, and how you're going to go about that. Mm-hmm. And then once they give approval for the 501c3 status, you pretty much stay in line with, with all everything you've told them.
0: What is the Institute's biggest focus right now, and where would you like to take it in the next couple of years?
1: Our programs. Our programs are what we're all about. And we're very fortunate that each of the programs that we have, is uh, we have a a director for each of them, and they help with our outreach. One of the programs we have is the Oneness Movement. And the Oneness Movement is meant to explore ways that humanity is connected to each other and to be sort of a catalyst for bringing about a collective force for our next evolution, which we say is by way of our infinite hearts it's a way of seeing humanity all connected and working together for the good of all and that's totally free that's one of our biggest programs we have another program that's i think is fabulous and it's called master mind master your life and it's all about the power of setting your intent and how to how to set your intent Follow what comes to you and do that to be successful at whatever it is you're setting, setting your intent for. And we we have a lot of we have a brand new program I'm really excited about. It's working with young men and women and children who have some kind of challenge going on in their life that is keeping them from coping with life in some way and teaching them through uh, movement and dance and vocal skills to become more self-confident and to be able to cope with life. And for example, children who are on the autistic spectrum who are verbal and maybe they've been bullied or whatever. And that program we're just starting and we're really excited about that one.
0: I'm excited about that one. I would love to hear more about it and support you in getting that out there because I, mean, I can even imagine, you know, kids who have gone through devastating situations in their lives—a parent dies or a house burns down. Oh, yeah! It would be amazing for them as well. I mean, I can imagine, you know, children's grief counselors would be so fascinated by how they could work with their with their patients in that capacity.
1: Oh, right. And the man who is in charge of that program, he has some people on his staff that are all, they're all professionals and they really are going to be able to, we hope, do amazing things in helping the children just feel better about themselves and learn how to cope, especially the bullying, you know. Some of the challenges that they have they're going to be with them all of their life, but they can learn to cope with them better. But the bullying, uh, you know, that is something that we are hoping will be able to be how they feel about themselves. We want to definitely change that and let them know that they're beautiful inside and out and that they can be all they want to be.
0: That's absolutely amazing. It took me 30 years to stop being the victim of bullying. Oh my and gosh. And it shouldn't take that long, in my opinion. Like, we should, well, starting right from in school, be educating kids more, like as we already discussed. But then helping children step out of that and just learn mindfulness and oneness, as you just said. And help them realize that what other people say isn't really isn't who they are. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Marianne, I want to thank you for all that you are doing for the world. And I look so forward to helping support you in anything that you do in the future. Where can listeners find you online and connect with you?
1: Well, they can find us at, uh, our initials are ifgt.org. That's I for Institute, F for 4, G for Global, for Transformation, Institute for Global Tra- Transformation, ifgt.org.
0: Fabulous. And listeners, that will be in the show notes, which you can find at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp522. I just want to make sure that that's right. But Marianne, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you have
1: a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget? Well, I think every thought you hold in your consciousness serves to either expand your consciousness or to hold you back. There's no neutral. So you need to choose wisely.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I wanna invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.